Welcome to Far North Tokers. This is episode 105, September 16th, 2018, with your host, Mid Toker. Thank you all for listening. Today is editing sponsored by BioJesus from Good Cannabis. Another political show for you today. We've got two women that are candidates for Fairbanks City Council. Shoshana Rock Coon, seat A, and Catherine Otterston, seat D. Invites went out to all candidates running for Fairbanks City Council. These two ladies jumped right in, ready to come on and talk cannabis. One particular reason why Fairbanks City is particularly interesting to me, they are on record saying under the current council, on-site consumption will not happen. To a council member, all six, even uh, Councilwoman Valerie Therian, she even chimed in and said, I'm against uh, on-site consumption. And so to, to a member of us, we were all opposed to the on-site consumption, and we asked the mayor to express that. It's out for public comment again, on-site consumption that is, at the state level, Fairbanks City, as it is right now, has said they will not support on-site consumption. They will put an ordinance up to ban it unless the city council changes. October 2nd, the following candidates are up for election. Catherine Otterston and Shoshana Rock-Coon. Please take a listen. Thank you for listening to these political shows. It's very important. Here's Token. The North Bowl Refinery. It's here to provide Alaska with the highest quality CBD product available on the market today, including Select CBD, Lenative by Montel Williams, Lazarus Naturals, Jerome Baker, Hot Mess Kush Medics, and constantly testing new products. You can find North Bowl Refinery at these fine locations. Smoking Deals in Fairbanks and Kenai, Good Cannabis, Nature's Leaf, Gabco, Denali's Cannabis Cash, Uncle Herbs and Homer and Anchorage, The Frost Farm, and on Facebook with more locations coming soon. The North Bowl Refinery, quality CBD in Alaska. From the Alaska Cheesesteak Company, Victor. I want to welcome everyone to the Alaska Cheesesteak Company's Tiki Truck. I want to thank all our customers for making the Alaska Cheesesteak Company the best sandwich in town. Best sandwich in town. In the Daily News Miners Reader's Choice Award. What makes our cheesesteak special? Fresh ingredients every day. We cut everything fresh. Our most popular sandwich is the pineapple teriyaki cheesesteak. Bacon, onions, mushrooms, sweet bell peppers, and pineapples sauteed together and grilled with shredded cheese on top. It's our own version of what a Philly cheesesteak island vibes. Moving back to our roots. We're more of a food truck type of vibes. All our focus is really on the food. Fresh cheesesteaks. Big thanks from us, my family, and the ticket crew for supporting your local business. Don't forget the Far North Tokers fan club gets a 10% discount at the Alaska Cheesesteak Company. All you gotta say is, let me get my Far North Toker discount, and that's 10% off every time you show up to our ticket truck. Fresh cheesesteaks. That's the Alaska Cheesesteak Company. Mobile tiki truck bouncing around locations, but every Wednesday at North Pole Mall, 11 to 2, Alaska Cheesesteak Company. Fresh steaks, island style. Welcome, candidate Shoshana Rock Kuhn for CA Fairbanks City Council. Well, thanks for having me, Mitt Toker. 
I'm dying to know where, where's that name from. Okay, so Shauna is an old Hebrew name. It's actually a, a type of flower that used to be found, I guess, on the uh, edge of the sea there. Or the, I, I, it's not the Mediterranean. And uh, in Israel, I'm told, you can see Shoshana flower shops, basically, uh, all over the place. So it's, uh, that's, that's what I know about my name. Nice. Every name has history, and a lot of people don't know their, the history of their name, so it's good that you do. All right, well, thank you for coming on and taking time to discuss cannabis. I appreciate you willing to share your ideas on a sometimes controversial issue even after legalization. Absolutely. Okay, in a representative government, when you'll be elected, there are a few ways to govern. Do you govern with the will of the people, or are you going to take latitude because you're the one in office to make the own decisions? Any examples of this in your life? Um, so when I do things. When I go out and do community service, I, I don't do it with myself in mind. I do it with the whole, with the collective in mind. So um, as I've gone through different organizations, I have worked with people that have been the public that communicate to me what they're looking for. Um, for example, uh, through PTA, and, uh, and, and I've devoted about seven years minus one of those four years to PTA. And through that time, you know, it, we kept tradition, and if, as time went on, um, someone requested something different, we would absolutely consider it, and if it was a viable alternative, we, we put it into place. And um, listening to the people, to me, is the reason I'm doing this. It is to stand up for a voice for cannabis. And actually, this whole thing really began with cannabis. So when when the ordinance was going through, and, I, and right off the bat, I, I don't remember what number that was, but uh, when that ordinance, which tackled um, capping licenses, on-site consumption, and then the zoning, when that came through, I also had a class, a social policy class, in which our assignment was to get involved with an ordinance. Well, I looked at this ordinance, and I went, even if I was not a cannabis supporter, this seems like an unfair ordinance. It tackled three issues in a brand new budding industry. And basically, I felt like, you know, some of this was just going to not be good looking ahead 10, 15 years. Because ultimately, again, for the people, anything we do today, we can have ripple effects 10 years down the road. And so as, as we create these ordinances, as we create these social rules, these unspoken social rules, we are still going to have an effect. And this is where cannabis being, you know, now it's legal. Now we can all talk about it openly, but the stigma is still there. So there's the unspoken social rule. So we as a collective have a duty to inform the uneducated about cannabis and to make sure that we set an example and take the lead as this industry that has been frowned upon and made such lovely movies to give it that negative image such as um, Reefer Madness. So, yes, I rule for the people, listening to the people. Great. Have you toured any cannabis license? Um, I have. Um, very recently, actually. Uh, I am more than open to go ahead and tour others. I, I do have a marijuana handler's permit. And um, because I wanted to see what that was about and 
So I'm open to more tours. I, I do love, um, you know, I really appreciate growers. I appreciate the different methods of growing. And it's not just cannabis. I used to work with Johnson's Family Farm and his was an indoor hydroponic year round um, production of lettuce and basil and other herbs, um, all legal herbs. And we used to distribute them in the middle of winter at 30, 40 below microgreens um, to various restaurants in the area. You know, so so it's I've been in different types of indoor year round grows and understand the costs that are affiliated with that. Um, I haven't had a chance to tour any other dispensaries that actually hands on grow. Um, I did tour another location and it was fascinating, honestly. Uh, but but this industry that we have um, now available, I think we are going to see different things come out of it as well. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a golden age. I'm, I'm happy to be alive and in right here participating. Currently, the tax structure at the state is fifty dollars an ounce to the cultivator, and the city has got that five percent sales tax th- to the retail. Do you support this structure and any changes you would you see? I would support discussing how to better assess the uh, per ounce tax. As I have talked with different dispensary um, workers and owners, one of the things, and actually grower um, as well, uh, or, but what we've talked about are the taxes and, and not so much the city. The city, um, most folks seem to agree it's okay, you know. Uh, but as far as that ounce per ounce tax goes, I'm I've kind of been informed that it is a very unfair way of doing it. And I've had different explanations and what I can support is to see an adjustment to reflect the different types of um, products that are coming out from the, the grow licenses. So that's what I do. I do support a change for that. And I think we can, we as a, as a, collective conscious can do a little better with uh, writing those letters to the AMCO board and writing those letters to our state senators who are setting these rules. And, um, you know, as we move forward with this election, city uh, only controls so much and we only have so much effect on all of that. But the tax, that's where it's at the state. And it is important that we get out and we vote. And uh, actually absentee voting started yesterday. Uh, so it's important because those people that we are electing into the state legislature are, are going to be setting these or can make adjustments to these taxes. So, again, keeping in touch with the, the AMCO board, which is the Alaska Marijuana Control Office, um, and getting in touch with them, getting in touch with your state people, getting out and voting. So, uh, no, I don't support the $50 per ounce. Um, it's complicated. It doesn't always apply. There are different reasons. There's different parts of the plant and it's it's just not a it's not a fair tax setup at this point so hopefully as time is going on we are seeing some changes to that all right on-site consumption is currently out for public comment again for 60 days we're probably within 30 days at this point do you support on-site consumption within the city and what regulations do you see appropriate for these establishments so I absolutely support on-site consumption. Um, 
and you know, I and I know there may be people that usually wouldn't listen to these types of, of podcasts, and I don't mind saying it loudly. Um, but I, I absolutely, and the reason for supporting on-site consumption is in the city, especially. Here's a problem: we have great tourism, we really do. We have great tourism, and sometimes people might want to try something new when they're visiting or in retirement stage. So what comes to mind is this summer as, as I began doing this campaigning and I was dropping some business cards off at one of the local uh, retail shops. Here's one of the, we'll say, big organizations uh, bus comes up to the parking lot and I'm chuckling, I'm just dying laughing. And here comes this very happy, probably about 72-year-old man and, you know, I reach out and I shake his hand. I said, where are you from, sir? And he said, I'm from Pennsylvania. And I started laughing because, you know, they're not lucky like we are here. Um, they don't have that ability to be able to just go and, and purchase cannabis legally. Um, so he gets off and he's happy, you know, and, and goes and gets what he needs to get, gets back on the bus and they head out to that local eatery that that bus is affiliated with. And... You know, it left me with a great sense of this is so cool. And then I went, where's he going to go smoke it? You know, right. and his thing, that's a $100 ticket we're talking about. If, 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 right, if you get caught and the, that officer, you know, decides to issue that citation, that's $100, which is good. We're not going to jail anymore. So we moved up a step and I'm, I'm grateful for that. But not only the happy tourist, but the suffering veteran who is using cannabis because their their post-traumatic stress is is out, out of control. You know, uh, we talked today and yesterday uh, talked about suicide. There's a lot of talk about suicide. This is uh, Fairbanks Suicide Awareness Week, actually, officially. And, um, you know, I have met people that use cannabis because of mental health. I've met many veterans that use it for a variety of physical and mental health reasons. But when you live in an apartment complex where, you know, this is where you are in your life and, and some of us choose to live in apartments, one of the downfalls is you can't smoke. You can't smoke cannabis. So here we have this, this availability of cannabis as a legal consumption of, for those of age. But nowhere for the veteran who is in pain, who is having panic attacks because they just heard a loud bang and it just flashed them back. So we lack something. We, we are still a little bit short on ensuring that people can use cannabis in a responsible way and at a responsible location. And there might be quite a few, um, uh, quite a few laws that might need to come in or ordinances to ensure that, that we are not exposing first responders to secondhand smoke and that, um, you know, people are safely leaving a cannabis cafe. Um, and, I, and I bring these up because research in academ academia world has given some so that we, we can educate the whole, the public, all of the public, but we're still short on some data. And this is where um, we 
we as a collective need to be understanding to the anti-cannabis people because they might not understand what a user of cannabis or what someone who takes advantage of the, the benefits of cannabis, what those effects might be. And, and given that each one of us um, responds a little differently to different types of cannabis and so on and so forth. So we have to understand that some of our citizens, some of our neighbors don't understand the positive benefits of cannabis. So on-site consumption, there's a large group in Fairbanks that would be extremely against it. And this is where I say it is important that we just try and be patient and educate because this is what we as a collective should consider doing. Chena Cannabis, North Pole Cannabis Dispensary, 1725 Richardson Highway, between North Pole and Fairbanks, right before the Badger Road exit. You're gonna love this place. Convenient access right off the highway. Special in-house strains, half ounces for 160, ounces for 250. Valid through August or while supplies last. Fine flower strains, chocolate, sourdough, blue kush, big smooth, purple OG kush, fruity pebbles. Mmm. Concentrates by good cannabis, good titrations, edibles by AK Frost, and the good cannabis gummies. Head on over to China Cannabis. Check out the full menu on leafly.com. Open Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. Sunday, noon till 6. You don't have to drive all the way to Fairbanks for your cannabis needs. Save your time. Get your quality cannabis at China Cannabis, your North Pole cannabis dispensary. China Cannabis. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For use only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Do you support a cap on cannabis licenses in the city? No. So going back to the social policy class and get involved, and that was really the main reason that I got involved. I mean, the on-site was a no-brainer for me too. And and but the ta- the uh, sorry, not tax cap, but the license cap. Here's why I was against it: a hundred percent against it. But I can also see other sides. But the reason I was against it is because I look at liquor licenses in this town. And um, the sad part of looking at the liquor licenses is how much they cost. And it's because there are only a few. So you've got people that are paying quarter million dollars for these licenses. Um, whether or not they should have them, is, is, that's not in discussion. But that's a lot of money. And I'm thinking 20 years down the road, my kids or your kid, I don't know, our youth, they might want to set up a different type of retail. And they cannot because there were only 15 licenses given and those 15 people are holding on to them. And so now it becomes the highest bidder thing, which here's the flip side, of one of the flip sides. That is what this person has invested into this license. So they would like to get paid back for the license. So I get that as well, you know, and I, and I see where, you know, if you have 30 different retail shops, 
that maybe it, it would get oversaturated. And I said something in one of, uh, one of the city council's uh, meetings where I testified on this. I said, basically, when you provide a quality product, no matter what it is, you will always have business. So even if you had, and I'll be crazy and say 100 retail shops in Fairbanks, which is insane, okay, we couldn't do that. There would be 20% that will rise to the top and they will do so because of ethical, positive customer service. And also they will be fed by the um, different grows that will be doing you know, positive things with cannabis and listening to the customer and saying, oh, you would like a CBD, higher CBD. Story. Okay, we are going to grow that for you because there's probably 10 of you that want that. Um, and that's just an example. But anyway, getting back to, no, I don't believe there should be a cap. I think it will, I think the market will self-regulate and I think that leaving that open allows for future generations to be able to start their own thing without having to be at the mercy of one person that wants a whole lot of money. By zoning, by zoning, what the city did is make it an unspoken cap on the licenses because there's only so many places you can go, which taking it right back to on-site consumption, it will be challenging because of that as well. But we're, we're, getting, we're going to get there. All right, when you understand how government works, you can get a lot of things done without anyone even noticing. Yes. Do you see cannabis as a positive in our community? And what are some examples? Well, I think it's positive because we have seen uh, one of the black markets almost fizzle out. And What's good about that, and you know, I'm thinking about crime numbers in Fairbanks, and I, and I didn't bring statistics with me, but what we do know is that even though we have an opiate and a meth epidemic, one could call it, going on, one of the, the other crimes that has gone away, and this is, I guess, I'm thinking five, seven, ten years ago, when, when this was at a high where people were robbing each other for cannabis, and... Um, and large amounts, you know, two pounds, five pounds, 10 pounds, large amounts of cannabis, and then they would distribute it. Um, but the big, biggest thing is that people were getting held up at gunpoint and their cannabis was taken. Um, and it, it was all on the black market. So who's going to report that, you know, that happened, you know? So there's, there's sort of a waterfall effect that comes when you take away something from the black market. And... I do think it's good. Um, I think it's really good. I mean, not just the black market. So, so now what's happened is we have people that have knowledge about cannabis that maybe at some point in their lives were in the black market, but now are working on the legal market, which means they are now paying taxes into society. They're becoming a healthy product of the community. So yes, it's, it, to me, it's socially a, a very positive component to not have any black market, but that we'll get to Portugal level at some point, maybe, maybe, hopefully. But um, in the meantime, you know, seeing cannabis as legal, it just, it takes away a lot of this potential, you know, incarceration. It allows, truthfully, it allows the police to be able to focus on other things. 
Um, and that was something that I would hear from police officers is, Hey, you know, I've got, I've got seven meth dealers to go chase. I'm really not worried about the guy with the joint. And this was prior to legal legalization. And it is so true. I mean, unfortunately, heavy, uh, hard substances have taken over this town and, um, between alcohol and opiates and op- opioids, which are a little different, and meth, we we as a community are suffering. Um, not to mention our police department is six officers short, which is another reason why we do see some of the crime that we're seeing. Um, you know, I, so uh, hopefully that answers that question. I feel like I drifted, and I have I no, could drift a lot more. Yeah, it's. Today was a, a today is nine eleven, so I, sure. I know what you're recording, and uh, you know just seeing all of our first responders or seeing some of our first responders. Mayor Matherly had a a really um, very uniting uh, speech today out at the Veterans Memorial. I missed the the fire station memorial, but you know it just reminds me um, it, that we were so divided. You know, prior to nine eleven, we were we were divided. And 9-11 united everybody. And it took a catastrophe to do so. And I think about this cannabis controversy, you know, and this this other way, other side. And and I feel like a lot of us have extended that olive branch. And as divided as we've become in 2018, 17 years later, after we all, as a, U, as a United States of America, came together and kicked butt together, you know, and then... The divisions have have really you can really see it. Our mayor is even saying it. You know, the the sides is just crazy. And so when the, when I encourage the cannabis community collective to go out there and just just be patient and work with the other side as best as you can, because maybe just maybe it's not the first time you talk to them, the seventeenth time. Or the thirty-second time, but boy, that thirty-third time—that just might be the time they go. You know, maybe cannabis, maybe. Um, so I don't know. I'm sorry, I drifted, yeah. but consistency. But was, yeah. Positive ambassadors, and you are one. Okay. Have you noticed any negatives about the cannabis industry since legalization, and how can you support solutions to these issues? Well, I'm trying. I'm going through the different things and thinking. And you know, again, the the most negative I've seen is just, you know, the the folks that that just still see reefer madness. That's that's the negative to me. I and maybe I I have rose colored glasses. Maybe not. I, most people think I'm somewhat between half full and half empty, but. I think the the I think it has been it has been really difficult on the grower, and that coming comes back to the tax um, and the number of people growing right now. The reality of this negative, which isn't really a negative, is that ten years ago there were just as many growers in the Fairbanks North Star Borough, and if not more, in the city. Really, um, not that I first hand went to every single house but um i the, we can make it 
as a community. We can make cannabis to be um, beneficial for everyone. But I just ask all of the growers and all of the retailers, just be patient. It will level out. Um, it, it's just got to hit that, that just nice um, homeostasis status. Um, so that's that's the negative that we got oversaturated. I do believe it's going to um, get better. I really think it'll level out. And then the the negative is just trying to diffuse this social stigma of cannabis. Um, but that's you know I haven't seen you know I don't see people stumbling in the in the street smoking a joint. You know if in fact I've been in a couple retail shops while. I've known these these individuals for a long time. They do have an alcohol issue and, and other drugs. And I was happy to see them at the dispensary. I would much rather them be using cannabis to deal with past trauma than to be using alcohol. So I, I just can't really see a negative in our community from it. Um, I know it's been rough on the on on the making money side of things, but uh, but for the community as a whole, it's created jobs, it's created a place for people to be able to come and support an industry that they have been supporting. Um, it provides a safe outlet for you to do so. Uh, it is screened. I love it. I love that we do have that twenty one and over clause. I think that, that is so important. Um, cannabis and developing brains you know it's it's still um very much up in the air even israel hasn't studied that israel has some good medical studies but um negatives for our community you know i just i i really don't see too many negatives i see a lot of positives i really do all right can someone who does not consume cannabis make regulations concerning cannabis well, yeah. I mean, should they? There's a whole nother um, question, not to split hairs, but I mean, there are people that created legislation over drinking that, you know, didn't drink and they did it collaboratively with some that did. So, and mostly, so I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking more like, uh, for example, the tax structure or something like that. Um, that's a dollars and cents topic. On-site consumption, I think, if you've ever used cannabis, you'll understand a little bit better why we are okay with it. Um, I get the, I totally, on on-site, I understand the, the worry about our first responders, which is why um, I have talked with a couple individuals in our community about this HVAC system, which would be a vacuum system that could eliminate the building. So if someone should go into a heart attack, um, you know, you can empty that building with the smoke quick, fast. Um, but um, so that's where it gets tricky. But a good person, so uh, to me, a good legislator is one that works for the collective whole. So we saw in our town, in our borough, in our city, um, 70% of the people turn out to vote for cannabis. You know, we, that was a lot of, that's a high turnout. That's a high response. 
no puns intended, but take it if you need to. But anyway, um, so when you have that high of a turnout, that means that people aren't voting for a reason. And again, let me go back to it is really important that even if you feel that your vote doesn't count, this is why you need to get out and vote is because maybe it's not how I feel about legislating um, with the knowledge of how something might feel. But it might help. It might not. That's for you as a voter to decide. And I encourage everyone to get out there and get educated about it and not to dis displace. But again, this goes back to I can have my views all day, but am I able to have other people's views? Am I able to accept other people's views, hear that concern, see the see the information that you submit and make that informed decision? You know, so that. That's due diligence of the people that are elected. Is that much is what you owe us. We elected you up there. We want you to take our point of view into consideration. And here are my facts. And yeah, there are going, there are going to be things that, that I may have to vote on. I've never jumped out of a building. I'm not a firefighter. But I don't feel that I need to be a firefighter to support firefighters. I can see where this is beneficial in my community. Um, hey. Yeah. What is the most important cannabis issue to you? On-site consumption right now. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it is, it's right there and it's going to be uh, the way the city council sits right now. It's already been their own record saying they will, they are completely against on-site consumption. We'll ban it. So right. it's good to hear. Yep. What is one skill you can offer to the cannabis community as the next Fairbanks City Council member? I'm a great listener and um, a great, I'm very good at processing. I'm very good at asking questions as follow-ups. So the one skill I bring is that I am actually a, a uh, by the state of Alaska, certified chemical dependency counselor and also behavior health counselor and uh, doing my master's of social work right now. So one of the things that I feel I am extremely good at is listening to people, different points of views. Um, unless we're having a, a discussion, you know, I love to I love to debate, but I also love to listen and just hear it and not just try and be right. Um, and that's what I would be looking at is, you know, there are some people that I've had great discussions with in our in our community, and we know we can joke, but uh, as a whole with the cannabis community. I am all ears. I've uh, put, my name is out there. Anyone is welcome to contact me if, uh, you know, if they're listening to this and, and there's something that you feel um, I need to know, please get a hold of me. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty available on Facebook for the most part and my email is, um, it's on there. It's on the, uh, the website for the candidate. So pretty easy to get a hold of. And I, uh, I really just, I'm all about listening and, you know, getting, getting to know what it is I need to do for you. Okay. Thank you. Is there anything else you would like to share with the audience? No, I, I mean, I just, again, I got to encourage everyone get out there and vote. And I know, I know it feels like my vote doesn't matter. You know, you might have inner ethical things about it, like I don't vote because I don't respect those folks, but you have one civil liberty 
that you, and I mean everybody, that you can use. And it's called voting. And if you vote, it's not that you can complain or not complain, but it's something you can take pride in and, and, and be happy that not every country allows their people to vote. And I can tell you that for voting local, those numbers, you can see those numbers. So just watch what your vote can do and make sure you do get out and vote. And I hope that I can count on you for your support on October 2nd for Shoshana Kuhn. And uh, if you want to hashtag vote for show, uh, that's one of our, our things, but for sure, vote. Okay. Th- thanks again, Shoshana Rockkun, for coming on, running for public office in that seat A, Fairbanks City Council. Good luck to you. Thank you, Mid. Thanks for having me on. Have a good afternoon. I appreciate all that you do. Hey, thank you. What would you think if I sang now be a patron of Far North Tokers at patreon.com slash midtoker. Listeners supporting the artist financially for as little as $2 a month. You can help steer Far North Tokers through guest suggestions, reviews, new equipment for the show, Let's me know that Far North Toker is important to you and I can just keep on keeping them. Thank you to long-term patrons, Marilyn Bergman, Carrie Mullis, Ramblin' Ranger, Peggy Peters, and Aaron Morton. Here's Toker. Hey there. Hello, Catherine Otterson. Yes, sir. Hey, welcome to Far North Tokers. Glad to talk to you finally. Yes, thank you for coming on and taking time to discuss cannabis. I appreciate you willing to share your ideas on sometimes controversial issue, even after legalization. Uh, yeah, I must admit the, the controversial nature of it sometimes escapes me. There's a heavy stigma attached to a lot of the population still. Without a doubt. And it's unfortunate because we have uh, almost 90 years of misinformation out there. Yeah, education. Education is key. Absolutely. And this is part of it. I, I uh, So many times in the political debate, especially around election time, people shy away from this issue just because it it does go on both sides. It, go, it hits everyone. So, um, again, thank you. Absolutely my pleasure. All right. Uh, in a representative government, when you're elected, there are a few ways to govern. Do you govern with the will of the people? Or take latitude because you're the one in office to make your own decisions. And any examples of this in your real life? Um, well, first of all, in a representative government, where particularly here um, and in other places where you are elected at large, um, I think your responsibility, at, just at a base level, is to ask questions on issues to find out what people think. Um, you, you can't just make assumptions, particularly on issues like marijuana, but there are other issues. Um, and then from there, you work with people, find out, you know, what decisions are best. Um, I'm asking to be a representative, not just the people who agree with me or I think agree with me, but for the entire city of Fairbanks. And that means not taking particular latitude, but also... Um, I think being, I, I, you know, the word courageous is overused, but for lack of something else, having a, sort of the fortitude and, and courage to say, okay, I see where things are, but 
occasionally you have to sit back and go, eh, I just think this is the wrong decision. And once again, education. I think marijuana is a good example of that, quite frankly. If we didn't have people who looked up and said, no, we're going to move forward with medical marijuana, um, then, and when it was still, you know, less than a third of the general population supported such things, uh, then we wouldn't be where we are now. We wouldn't have made progress. And I think there are lots of examples of that with decisions in public life where you have to look forward. Um, you have to ask the questions as to not just what's out there now, but what more recent data has come in, what research is showing, you know, all those things go into a decision. Yeah, I really like your point about the uh, it being non-party affiliated. So you're going to have to go out and you're not going to know where people are falling on the party spectrum. So it's a good issue for this. Oh, I think, yeah. Um, and you can see some of that. You know, I'll be at the Interior Taxpayers Forum next week. Um, and, you know, people have said, oh, they're so conservative. You know, why would you want to do that? Well, I'm... Like, once again, I'm asking to represent everybody here in town. So I should be there. I should be listening. I mean, it seems to me very strange that I wouldn't want to. Yeah, thank you. Have you toured any cannabis license? Um, not recently. Um, going back when I was living in Seattle, um, I was inside a couple of medical grows. But I know the technology and the uh business even before it was fully you know cannabis legal in states greatly advanced over time um and i haven't seen the modern however you want to term that it's more recent methods but i do keep up with them um through print and online all right you would you would probably be surprised there's so many different levels of what's even going on in our city you know the, uh, how methods are being used and technology yeah, and it's a developing technology across the entire spectrum of the industry, um, from methods of growing indoor or outdoor. Um, you know, do you use various, um, you know, chemicals or not? Do you grow organic? There are different debates about that. Um, and then also with testing. I mean, the even the most recent news reports in the last couple of days talking about how our, our two labs here in the state don't agree depending on what they're testing, how they're testing. And I think those are things that are going to settle out in the industry over time. Um, you know, a medical industry isn't going to be strong enough to establish all of those things in all of those various um, methodologies that need to be standardized. Uh, so, so we can get some surety. Yeah. Currently, the state tax structure is $50 an ounce to the cultivator, and the city has a 5% sales tax to retail cannabis. Is, is that tax structure fine? Do you see anything you would look to change? I think I don't mind the sales tax aspect of it. What I mind is the flat fee at the top end that doesn't take into account the market. Um, I think that's detrimental whether the price is high or low, quite frankly. I think it should actually be similar to a sales tax or even in some ways similar to a European VAT tax um, where you have a grower based upon what they're doing and then if there's a separate processor 
then that may be at that point also the state takes a cut depending on what the product is. Um, there are lots of different ways to structure this that I believe are more fair to the initial suppliers before it gets to the retail shops than what we have now. On-site consumption is currently out for public comment. For It was 60 days. We're probably approaching 30 days at this point. Do you support public cons- or on-site consumption within the city? And what regulations do you see appropriate for these establishments? Um, first of all, absolutely, yes, I do support it um, for a number of reasons. Uh, I think we miss out on opportunities when we don't examine that question. I, I thought the uh, passing of the law, making it illegal here for con- uh, on-site consumption here in Fairbanks a number of months ago was unneeded, quite frankly, since it wouldn't have been allowed anyway unless the city affirmatively did something. Um, so I, I just, at a base level, I think we miss out on a lot of things where on-site um, meaning obviously in a, in a public facility, um, would be beneficial. I, you know, going back with cannabis, I ran a soup kitchen in the South Bronx in the mid eighties during the crack epidemic. And one of the things that was found that families could do for their loved ones that were caught in that addiction, quite frankly, was get them high until they were through the withdrawal symptoms and it gave them a better chance. Uh, on-site consumption is something that could help just for people trying to kick drugs. We're not even allowing those kind of beneficial uses. I do think it would be helpful with tourism. We need to continue to expand tourism here. Um, during the hearings at the city, somebody said, uh, you know, paraphrasing, that they didn't want to be the Amsterdam of you know, the United States. I look up and I go, really, why not? Amsterdam has a lower crime rate. It doesn't have a lot of issues that, you know, occur when you have people wandering around drunk on alcohol or other drugs. I think cannabis is a far less detrimental societally uh, intoxicant, no matter how high somebody gets, quite frankly. Um, And I think some of the issues that we're seeing around that are showing that, that people use less opiates or they, um, or I should say, they're less likely to become addicted to medical opiates and then move into other forms of addiction. Um, and so when I see on-site consumption, I look at it as a fairness issue partially. We don't, you know, if you're a homeowner, you can use at home without a problem. You can sit in your backyard if it's relatively private and, you know, smoke and, and relax and whatever else. That's not available to a lot of apartment users. That's not available to somebody who may be in and out of a shelter. If somebody is, you know, homeless and living in an RV or a truck and they're, you know, someplace where they're relatively public, they could get, um, you know, into, you know, uh, legal trouble over that. So I see a lot of that coming into play about around consumption, having consumption facilities, whether it be, you know, something connected to a retail store whether we have, say, a private club that allows for it. I've, I've seen that with other uh, items in other places where, you know, tobacco laws were coming in, but people wanted to have a cigar club or a hookah club. 
Um, I see that as being a positive and a new business opportunity for a lot of people. Um, and I believe, you know, at a base level, our, our data, you know, our, our intoxicated driving laws are certainly able to handle that. I don't think it's going to increase uh, the potential for crime in the least bit. I think compared to alcohol abuse, um, potential marijuana abuse would be far less detrimental to society. You don't, uh, are, you're not going to have the issues, I believe, of break-ins because the retail prices reality-wise is quite low. Um, you certainly aren't going to have the issues with people getting into fights in the way that you do with alcohol. And I think it's something that we need to allow business owners, um, you know, even our hotels to experiment with. Um, you know, there, we have opportunities where somebody could have a B&B &B that features different kinds of marijuana. And I'd like to see that allowed for property owners, for business owners, and also to expand the options for people to use marijuana in a beneficial way, whereas they wouldn't be able to otherwise. Wow, Catherine, you hit on so many points. <laughs> uh, the opioid crisis, equal access, right to gather, crime, economic benefits. Let's be a model, right? Let's be a model to the rest of the world with this on-site consumption. Why be afraid of being first? Well, and the other, the other part of it that I look at is we're very much dependent on, you know, resource industries here. And, you know, those are going to be declining. You look in the news at Fort Knox wanting to open up a new area, but that's only going to stretch their presence there, they say, for a decade at most, I believe, if I recall the article correctly. Obviously, uh, the uh, pipeline is bringing down fewer and fewer barrels of oil generally on a long-term trend. I know it fluctuates years, uh, every few years back and forth, and we've had a recent increase. But even if we see a lot of activity on the slope, or we see more mining activity here in the interior, I really truly believe that we need to be moving away from those industries. And so expanding cannabis as a business here, um, as an employer, as a tourism draw, I think is a, is a huge positive. Yeah, it is. I, I appreciate everything you're saying. Do you support a cap on cannabis licenses in the city? Um, no, but just at a base level, I think it's like any other new um, industry or you know competitive uh, retail situation. Um, if there are enough people to support the stores that we have now and to have more of them, that's great. If there's... Uh, any industry will shake itself out economically. Um, and I think that'll occur at all levels. It'll happen at the retail, it'll happen at production, it'll happen at the testing level. Um, and I th we certainly are seeing that in other states. So I, I, I think that's an unnecessary uh, extra regulation. Um, and in some ways I see it as detrimental because if you keep it artificially too low, then what you do is set up a situation where the barriers to entry 
are far too high for somebody to come into the business who would have to buy somebody else's license. Um, then it favors people with capital structures that allow for large investments. Um, and I, I think it's beneficial to keep the ownership relatively local as much as we can um, and, you know, have people who own those businesses, who operate those businesses, be people who are invested in this area that want Fairbanks to succeed. Um, it's also better, I believe, because it keeps the income from those businesses rotating through the local economy and not being taken out of the area. Do you see cannabis as a positive in our community? Yes, absolutely. On, on a lot of levels, it's you see jobs. Uh, as I've mentioned before, I think it is a overall crime reducer. If you just want to look at it and say it reduces just sort of the inclination towards uh, criminal behavior because you're reducing the black market, um, you have an issue where if cannabis is illegal then you have situations where if somebody wants to try it, then they have to step into illegal behavior. Um, I think that sets up just a general disrespect for the law to be able to say, yes, this is a rational law. It's because of rational reasons. And I don't see there as a rational reason to tell adults what they can and cannot put into their bodies that aren't going to kill them. I mean, I, I could see us wanting to say, yeah, okay, you, you do need a prescription for opioids. They're easily addictive. They are highly uh, detrimental when downline for families and, you know, for, throughout society there are repercussions. But cannabis doesn't do that. I think it's an overall positive. Have you noticed any negatives? about the cannabis industry since legalization? And how can you support solutions to these issues? Um, no, not the only thing that I see as people sitting and when you listen to, uh, you know, the various city council testimony and et cetera, is there's two things that people focus on. One, which is a smell. Uh, a, I can agree with that. I, if, you know, I would sit and say, I wouldn't want to be living next to a, a feedlot either for cattle. Um, <laughs> Uh, so if businesses um, and, you know, grows or whatever kind of facilities put in the proper air filtration, I don't think that's an issue. Um, that's just to me is a cost of doing business like any other business. Um, otherwise, you know, there's a lot of land in the borough. There's a lot of even a lot of land in Fairbanks that are relatively, you know, or locations, I should say, that are quite far away from most things. I understand the, the setbacks and all um, can make it difficult to find locations within the city limits, but I, I don't see the smell as being an impediment uh, in a real sense. Uh, the other one is people consuming publicly, standing in the Fred's parking lot, uh, smoking weed, whatever else. And yeah, I could see that as being an issue. I don't like people sitting around, you know, drinking beer in their trucks in a parking lot either, um, particularly since it means most of the time they're going to get in that vehicle and drive somewhere. Um, but that's, to my mind, 
why you want places where you can have public consumption for people, once again, who cannot do that elsewhere. And I think right off the bat, that's one of the positive aspects that begins to take away most of the reasons why people do that. They, you know, maybe can't do it in their apartment. They can't do it in the hotel they're staying at, et cetera, et cetera. The campground where they have their uh, tent or RV doesn't allow for it. So I do think that any of these things that are put forth as being ongoing negatives really are just issues of how we want to grow the business, how we want to regulate it, and that in a way that is positive and acceptable to the society at large. Can someone who does not consume cannabis make regulations concerning cannabis? Absolutely. Um, once again, it goes back to what I uh, say of, of, about anything uh, representing people is one, you listen. Two, you educate yourself. That's your responsibility as a, regu- as a, as a representative if you're going to be voting on regulations. Um, for example, with the city council, I am not a member of any of the unions that are negotiating contracts, but any city council member has to vote on those. Um, Then they have to educate themselves. I recommend going and finding out what those workers do. Um, I've already been in the firehouse and taken a tour and looked at, you know, what are the issues there, but I'll never fight a fire, I doubt, uh, in the way that they do. I can't imagine that. So yeah, I think that is the responsibility at a base level. No legislature uh, is filled with people who are knowledgeable on all the issues that'll face them. What is the most important cannabis issue to you? Um, access, consumption, getting that taken care of. Because like I said, I believe there are a lot of positive benefits uh, across the economy, across different behaviors, um, minimizing public impact. And I just, I see that as something that we need to look at in a serious way uh, as to how we can implement it uh, according to whatever regulations come through the state. Great. What is one skill, Catherine, you can offer to the cannabis community as the next Fairbanks City Council member? Um, a positive attitude. (laughs) Um, to me, cannabis has so many benefits that we have missed out on when you, uh, there's, there's a knowledge, uh, a learning curve that you go on with it. And I've gone out of my way over the years to do that. You go back a hundred years and, and cannabis was listed as a beneficial medicine, Um, That was certainly knowledge that came through our culture that we decided to reject, and I think wrongly so. But even beyond that, I do want to be a voice for the idea that we can utilize cannabis here in Fairbanks and we can grow the various businesses uh, in a positive way that allows people to take advantage of the, the drug if they want to, take, a care, take advantage of the medicinal properties, um, and then say to other folks, yeah, um, this is what it's done for me, uh, join me or don't. I'm, I rarely drink alcohol, but I support 
responsible alcohol use because I'm in a lot of ways a small L libertarian. I think adults should have the right to make adult choices. It's good to hear. <laughs> Anything else you would like to share with the audience? Um, come out and vote on October 2nd, whether or not you like me. We need participation here. Um, and there are a number of candidates who are firmly on the side or not on the side of cannabis. And I think, uh, you know, uh, last year's election, a lot of people that were in favor of cannabis and a lot of people who were not came out and voted because that was specifically on the ballot. But I think the experience with recently with having North Pole looking uh, to increase restriction within the city tells us that this is going to be on the ballot, I think, every election for quite a number of years in different ways. As, you know, we get into this public consumption option or, you know, on-site consumption, I should say, uh, as we get into the issue of whether or not we want to promote cannabis tourism, um, those things are going to be solved at city council, borough assembly levels. And so I would encourage everybody just get out there, educate yourself, see what each cannabis, uh, see which, what each candidate has to say about cannabis access and, and take that seriously. I don't believe that we're out of the woods on this issue at any level and, and we won't for a while be there. And I would also make note, you know, the local elections are on October 2nd, but I believe that the elections in November are equally important. You have, you know, state issues, obviously, as to how it's going to be regulated. And we also have federal. Um, We certainly have a a government administration now at the national level that isn't cannabis friendly um, and makes various noises and rumblings and activities that are not what we should be seeing. Thank you. Running for seat D, Fairbanks City Council, Catherine Otterston. Thanks again for coming on Far North Tokers. How do people contact you? Um, uh, Otterston for F, Otterston, O-T-T-E-R-S-T-E-N, F-O-R, Fairbanks, uh, dot com. I also have a Facebook page. I'm not the best with social media, so uh, excuse me on that point, but I'm also just going out and about. And I do recommend people also, if they feel like it, uh, come to the Interior Taxpayers uh, Forum. It's open to the public generally. Uh, That's on September 18th um, at the Borough Assembly Chambers. And it should be really interesting. It's, you know, my opponent, uh, Council Member Bagwell has stated that he will be there. And within the forum, anybody can ask a question to all of the candidates, specific ones. Um, and I think it's a really good opportunity uh, for people to suss out these issues if they feel like that's something they want to do that evening. Thanks again for running for public office. Good luck to you. I appreciate it. Thank you for talking. Hey, thank you for joining us on Far North Tokers. You can find more episodes of this time capsule of Alaskan cannabis on SoundCloud and iTunes. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send questions and comments to midtoker at farnorthtokers.com. M-I-D-T-O-K-E-R at farnorthtokers.com. And now, Patreon helps support the show financially. 
at patreon.com slash newtopia. Here's Topia.